Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Well, hello, welcome back to yet another episode of the Bread of the Word podcast, where we go ad fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, to be nourished and sustained by all that God is, as he's revealed himself to us. My name is Tyler. We are continuing our trek in the book of Job. Had a bit of a hiatus. Uh, I had some technical glitches last week and was not able to record anything last week. Uh, Technology's great when it works, <laughs> but I'm glad to be back, ready to continue working through the book of Job. And if you did not catch the Laborers podcast the last couple weeks, we just did a two-part series on marriage. And the rest of the, the laborers actually brought their wives on and took questions as a couple. And it was really great to sit in and kind of moderate that as the eligible bachelor of the group. But we are stepping up our content output for the months of October and November. So while we've been doing every other Thursday going live um, for a while, we'll be hitting it every Thursday until the end of November. There's there's some topics that we would like to get some content out on pressing issues, things that we, within our own groups, disagree on that we would like to hash out um, in a brotherly atmosphere. So stay tuned for that with the Laborers Podcast. We go live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. Um, you can find that on my Rumble account. That They will be piggybacked onto the live stream there. You can find us on, on uh, Facebook and also YouTube. And without further ado, let us... Tackle Job 10. I really struggled with this text. With how to slice it, how to how to break it down, how to make it more digestible, and I, f I couldn't find a way to reduce this, to make it, make it smaller. I, I felt like if I was to break this into several chunks, it would take away from the chapter. And so... It might be a little bit longer of an episode, there might be a little bit more going on, but we're going to cover the whole chapter of Job 10. And so, usually I would read the text all in one go, but I'm going to read it in the stanzas that it's divided in in most Bibles, that they will do a stanza and then a break with some white space, and that's how I'm going to try to break, break this down, is grouping by grouping. So starting with the first seven verses. I am disgusted with my life. I will give vent to my complaint and speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not declare me guilty. Let me know 
why you persecute why you prosecute me it is good for you to oppress to reject the work of your hands and favor i'm sorry is it good for you to oppress to reject the work of your hands and favor the plans of the wicked do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as a human sees are your days like those of a human or your years like those of a man that you look for my iniquity and search for my sins even though you know that I am not wicked and that there is no one who can rescue me from your power so right off the bat Job is in the depths Job is not having a good day and we <clears throat> spent some time in chapter 9 dealing with his reply to Bildad and we went from him responding directly to Bildad to almost like a general lament it wasn't as tailored to the words of Bildad as we saw when he responded to Eliphaz but here we have more of that general lament it's more directed to God than it is to any person and we ended on a bit of a sad note last time with let him take his rod from me his terror will no longer frighten me that I would speak and not fear him that is not the case I am on my own something akin to Psalm 88 which ends on one of the possibly one of the worst notes in the Psalms I am alone my companions have become darkness that's not how I would end a poem but this is what we have in scripture this is the way it's presented to us by God and so let us wrestle with why it says what it says <clears throat> but Job but Job 10 starts as Job 9 ends I am disgusted with my life. But line two, I will give vent to my complaint and speak in the bitterness of my soul. <clears throat> because despite the fact that Job is not happy, despite the fact that Job is in the depths, he is in the pits, life kind of stinks for him right now, that it's not a hedge of protection, a Sorry, it's not a hedge of protection as much as it is a hedge of isolation. That he feels that he is hedged away from God, that he is walled in in his suffering. While as the actual phrase of Satan in Job 1 is that God has hedged him in. But that hedging in was hedging with blessing, with security. But Job's feelings right now is that he is hedged in in his suffering, in his oppression, in the hand he has been dealt by God. <clears throat> but despite that, he does not give God the silent treatment. And he doesn't curse God. He brings questions to God. He brings questions that ma many of us would say we would never dare ask God. But he never curses God, which is what Satan said he would do all along. We don't get that here. We get a wrestling. We get a, a somebody who is grappling with God. <clears throat> Verse 2. I will say to God, do not declare me guilty. Let me know why you prosecute me. Let me know. <clears throat> In the book of Job, there is a wrestling with who God is. And I think the one of the unifying themes 
thus far in the book of Job is trying to balance the fact that God is revealed, that God can be known, but there's a degree to which God remains hidden. Okay, Job, Job knows God. Job walks with God. He offers sacrifices. He, <clears throat> he fears God and eschews, he eschews evil. But there's still things Job does not know. And many times in in the churches, we have a tendency to get very intellectual with our with our theology. We we use big terms and an ism, and we almost have God worked out to a science sometimes. <clears throat> but the the testimony of the Psalms is teach me thy ways open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law but in order for God to teach us that implies that there are things we do not know it implies that there are things we do not possess and so Job asks questions that God may teach him because Job does not understand God entirely verse 4 is it good for you to oppress to reject the work of your hands and favor the plans of the wicked that's a bold statement is it good for you to oppress to reject the work of your hands being Job as it says in Isaiah you are our potter and we are your clay we are all the work of thy hands is it good for you to reject that work and to favor the plans of the wicked do you have eyes of flesh do you see as a human sees are your days like those of a human or your years like those of a man that you look for my iniquity and search for my sin First Samuel 16.7 tells us that God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we have a similar concept here, but Job is questioning, do you see as man sees? Or do you have different eyes? He is almost accusing God, it seems of being inconsistent as he's grappling with do you see my situation as I see it because from my perspective it looks like you're a bit biased looks like you are inconsistent it seems like you enjoy this too much maybe is it good for you to oppress me <clears throat> are your days like those of a human is your life like a person that you have limited time here and you spend it examining me if you are so infinite and so ageless, if you transcend time itself, why do you care that you look for my iniquity and search for my sin? Even though, verse 7, I know that I am not, even though you know that I am not wicked and that there is no one who can rescue you, rescue from your power. 
Psalm 139 says, Thou compassest my path, and art acquainted with all my ways. And that term, compasseth, is... <clears throat> you don't see that outside of the King James and the New King James, but I honestly, I really like that term, because the word refers to the threshing of wheat. It refers to something very intimate, very physical, this... The, the threshing of wheat, and you can't really get around that, and a lot of modern translations don't put it like that. <clears throat> but in comparison with God, the King James way of rendering that compares God's searching of us, searching of our hearts, as though he is threshing out wheat. As though he is going through and separating the wheat and the chaff. Which sounds familiar a little bit, doesn't it? <clears throat> But this is the something Job is wrestling with. You are searching for my sin, even though you know that I am not wicked, and that there is none who can rescue from your power. In other words, regardless of what I think about myself, this is where you have me. I don't understand. Why am I here? <coughs> And some of what Job says here, under other circumstances, would be very encouraging. Some of this we can see in numerous places in the Bible. There's none who can rescue you from your power. It says in Deuteronomy, that I killeth and I maketh alive. There is none that can deliver thee out of mine hand. John 10 says that none can deliver thee out of mine hand. None can pluck thee out of mine hand. Go into the imagery of Christ as the good shepherd. There's none that can pluck thee from my hand. <clears throat> he talks about being the work of God's hands. The fact that God does not see as man sees. And these are, I guess, under normal circumstances, these would be encouraging statements. But in the context that Job presents them, they are questions. If this is true, why am I here? If there's none who can rescue you from your rescue me from your power, then why am I being punished? If you do not see as a man sees, why are you so concerned with my sin? <clears throat> These are big questions. We'll go on to the next stanza. Your hands shaped me and formed me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Please remember that you formed me like clay. Will you now return me to dust? Did you not pour out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and wove me together with bones and tendons. You gave me faith you gave me life and faithful love and your care has guarded my life. <clears throat> your hands shaped and formed me again Psalm 139 that knit me together in my mother's womb. But will you now turn and destroy me? <clears throat> Job is really wrestling with this, and many times we do as well. When things do not go well, what are you doing? What are you trying to teach us, God? 
You form me like clay. Will you now return me to dust? I think the... The bulk of this stanza could be condensed into... Is God free to be God? The problem with Job is that Job wants God to justify his decisions. He wants God to explain himself, and sometimes he doesn't. <clears throat> sometimes he is silent. Sometimes God does not explain himself. And we simply have to trust. Verse 13. Yet those, yet you concealed these thoughts in your heart. I know that this was your hidden plan. If I sin, you would notice, and you would not acquit me of my, my iniquity. If I am wicked, woe to me. Even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am filled with shame and have drunk deeply of my affliction. If I am proud... You hunt me like a lion, and again display your miraculous power against me. You produce new witnesses against me, and multiply your anger toward me. Hardships assault me, wave after wave. <clears throat> but start in that first line. Yet you conceal these thoughts in your heart. You conceal these thoughts, and not others. Coming back to the idea that God is somewhat hidden from us. That to be taught by God is to imply that we don't know everything. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 11 for a moment. <clears throat> Matthew 11 verse 25 For context, Christ has just rebuked an unresponsive generation, saying, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a lament, and you did not mourn. That this generation has heard the truth and has not responded in faith. In such a way that places like Sodom and Gomorrah shall rise up and condemn this generation. Ouch. <clears throat> and he goes to verse 25 and says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father, no one knows the Son, except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. <clears throat> See, in the Reformed tradition, we love that text. We love to use that as a proof text for predestination and all of this stuff. But it goes a tad further than that, because it's not just about salvation, it's about the fact that God can't be known, except that he reveals himself. <clears throat> that God has hidden himself from the wise and intelligent. That can be a very humbling statement. That we don't walk with God, we do not know God 
because we're just smarter than other people because I did the right thing. I was in the right place at the right time. I I prayed the right prayer, fill in the blank. It is because Christ was gracious enough to make himself known to me. Not because of my, my intelligence, not because of my, my own qualifications, not because I'm that impressive, but solely because of his mercy. And so he says that no one can know the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. And then he says this. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So despite the fact that God is hidden from the wise and intelligent, and has revealed these things to infants, that he is hidden from some and revealed to others, the invitation is to come. <clears throat> come to this God you cannot understand. Come to this God who has hidden himself from people, who is, to some degree, hidden. Come to him and find rest. And likewise, that is the need of Job. That is the need of modern-day Job's, people that feel they have been dealt an unjust hand by God. Maybe it's, there are people that very much relate to the book of Job. That very much hits home with them. And that is the invitation to them just as much as it was to him. Come to me and find rest. You do not understand. You cannot understand everything. But nonetheless, I am still here. So Job says, you have concealed these thoughts in your heart. I know this was your hidden plan. If I sin, though, you would notice. And you would not acquit me of my iniquity. If I am wicked, woe to me, even if I am righteous, and I cannot lift up my head. I am filled with shame and have drunk deeply of my affliction. Despite the fact that God has hidden things in his heart, that he is, his plans are hidden, that he veils himself, this is the God that Moses communed with in darkness on Sinai. Despite that, <clears throat> Job says, My sins are noticeable to you. It says in Hebrews 4 that all things, that nothing is hidden from him, that all things are naked and exposed before him. Despite this, God is just in his dealings with sin. And in that Old Testament idea of do good, get good, God is justified when he deals with sin according to his own designs. <clears throat> if I am proud, it says you hunt me like a lion and again display your miraculous power against me. You produce new witnesses against me. Those are his friends. You produce witnesses against me and multiply your anger toward me. Hardship assaults me wave after wave. Part of the hardship was the friends, was the accusers. Because first you had Satan, the accuser. The Satan literally means the accuser. He makes accusations against God, and Job is just the vessel by which he does so. 
<clears throat> but as Job continues to suffer, he has multiple accusers. Because not only is Satan accusing Job in the sight of God, but now you have his friends who are coming one by one to make accusations against Job, trying to justify his suffering as though it was punishment from God for his sin. The, a good part of the hardship is these terrible friends. You produce new witnesses against me and multiply your anger toward me. That is felt through the friends. With good theology but bad practice. They, they, they understand how things tend to work, but they can't apply any of this to save their lives. <clears throat> so they are multiplying the sufferings of Job. Are we so different? One of the hard things with the book of Job for me is that I see a little bit of myself in these knuckleheads. <clears throat> that I see Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar. I see these knuckleheads in myself to some extent. Because I like my boxes. I like my predictions and my assumptions of how God operates. But my, my systems and my preferred isms, they don't fully explain God. And there has to come to a point in myself where I am content to take God as he is and not try to explain everything about him. <clears throat> because the people I like to read from hundreds of years ago didn't know everything about God. You know, John Calvin broke down uh, the, the teachings of the Bible into two categories. What we can know about God and what we can know about ourselves while recognizing we can't know everything, that there is a hiddenness to God. I think oftentimes when we quote John Calvin, we tend to forget that part, that he talked about a hidden righteousness, about a hidden will, that there is a component to God to which we are not privy. And this is where God gets really complicated for us, because we're, we're finite beings, and he is infinite, but we like to think he's closer to us in being in, than we are to him. I am not God. There's going to come a point where I have to concede to the fact that I cannot fully grasp God. But yet I am still invited to come unto Christ and find rest for my soul. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. <clears throat> Verse 18. Why did you bring me out of the womb? I should have died and never been seen. I wish I had never existed, but had been carried from the womb to the grave. Are my days not few? Stop it. Leave me alone so that I can smile a little. Before I go to a land of darkness and gloom never to return. It is a land of blackness in the deepest darkness, gloomy and chaotic, where even the light is like the darkness. 
And so we started Job 10 on a, on a low note and somehow went even lower. And, we, and Job harkens back to earlier statements. He goes back to Job 3 when he cursed the day he was born. Again, asking God, why am I here? <clears throat> if you would oppress me so while I am living, why not just kill me? Why not end my life and end this misery? And those are those are valid questions. Why was God so gracious to Adam and Eve in the garden? Because they were told, the day you eat of this fruit, dyingly you will die. This day you eat of it, you will die. And instead, Adam and Eve were allowed to live another day, and another day, and another day. Hundreds of years after the fact. And then they died. But despite that initial sin, God endured their iniquity centuries why is it because he's inconsistent or is it because he's gracious and merciful <clears throat> likewise God endures the cries of Job not because he doesn't care quite the opposite because despite the fact that Job is in the pits he is still talking with God He is still communing with the triune God who made the heavens and the earth and yet still cares very deeply about a guy named Job in the land of Uz. That while Job wishes to die for his suffering to just end, God is patient. God is available. <coughs> this God who is hidden from Job is available. And when you get to the bottom of that paradox, you let me know. Because that is, I think, one of the unifying themes in the book of Job, is this balance between God being hidden and being available. That while by faith we have gained access to God, as it says in Romans 5, for every statement like that, we have statements like the Psalms, telling us that he veils himself. We have Matthew 11. You have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed these things unto infants. <clears throat> and despite all of that, you and I are invited to come to Christ. Lacking all the answers, lacking all the formula to make sense of him and work this all out to a science to where we can adequately predict the mechanics of the universe we are invited to his table we are beckoned to his table that while we were alienated from God because of sin that while we were as it says we were rebel sinners we were children of wrath God did not go anywhere. But God continued to show his love for us by dying on a cross. And he did that that we would gain access to him by faith. <clears throat>
while recognizing that he is still somewhat hidden. That we have access to a God we can't fully understand. And so the sinner is not beckoned to understand God. The sinner is beckoned to come to God. To go to God with your questions, with your lack of understanding, with your praise, with your depression. <clears throat> Let us go to God for God. With all that we understand about him and all that we don't understand about him, let us go to God. Thank you for listening. This has been the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4 4.